As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 136 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli as the champs will not die. They are now up three to two and uh, look poised to be going back to the cup final with getting Braden point. And I know we'll have a huge feature on Monday about the uh, Stanley Cup uh, final or game seven, which uh, everyone it's going to be. But uh, man, you can never count out the champs, Frankie. How are nope. you? Do it at your own peril. Um it's such an odd feeling, like even being down two to one in the series, I was like, there hasn't been one moment in, in this that the lightning have felt even as they were down out of control, like that. It was like, Oh man, this team's on the ropes. They do not blink. They do not care. And they've now salted away three straight wins and are in the spot to get back to the final for the third straight year. And then you got, uh, you got Stamkos. Uh, what was that? Like, I think only the second time or, or third time ever that uh, two number one overall picks getting a little bit of a scuffle. <laughs> no penalties that on that often. sequence, by the way. Yeah. You don't see that very often. So the, uh, Hey, old man strength right there. Lafreniere, uh, give him a few years. He'll be ready for that the next time. So yeah, we'll get into that, but man, uh, and Braden points coming back. It looks like, uh, either for game six getting or closer for the Stanley cup final. That'll be a huge, huge boost for them. Vasilevsky is only the second active goalie already with 60 playoff wins. Uh, he's punching his ticket to the hall of fame. Just a matter of uh, when he's going to retire. So yeah, they're good. And then the Rangers have, man, they had a great run and they can still come back, but right now they've the, the, the interesting thing about this whole series, Frank, and then we'll get to it is the only time the Rangers win on the road is when they're facing elimination. So they'll have to do it again. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think the lightning are going to let this opportunity slip away to win on home ice. I could agree. Now, uh, earlier this week, uh, you had something that uh, impacts all the teams. And of course, uh, we're down to three teams left, soon to be two. And uh, we're basically uh, under a month away from the uh, the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, draft week has become usually the week where if there's going to be bigger deals and more deals, that's when it's going to be. So we're going to have the trades, but also of course you have free agency and uh, you had your trade bait board, uh, Frank. And the one name that you have at the top that I'm just, 
And I saw tons of people like, why would Chicago do that? Why would Chicago do that? Uh, Alex DeBrincat, uh, fresh off a 40 goal season. You know, the guy can score goals. Him, Strom and Kane became a pretty, pretty dynamic line for the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and I understand that they're, they're in a retooling phase. So my question to you is, so if DeBrincat's getting dealt, do you think there's any chance that uh, John, like what's up with Jonathan Taves and how will that change the uh, potential focus of the, uh, of the Blackhawks? Do you think he comes back next season? Well, to answer your question about DeBrincat first, like it, this is not a retool. This is a full scorched earth, five, six, seven year rebuild. They are taking this down to the studs. There may not be any players left from this current team by the time they want to get to where they get to. It may include Patrick Kane, maybe Seth Jones with that contract. And that's kind of about it. Kirby Doc is another. It's not going to be many. And so I don't think people fully recognize or appreciate how barren a starting, how low a starting point the Blackhawks are starting at in terms of prospects, uh, futures, ass, draft assets and capital, all that stuff. They've got a long way to go. And when you look at it, a two time 40 goal scorer, that's 24 just entering his prime. And Alex DeBrinkett is someone that is going to jumpstart and, and kickstart that rebuild. So it's a question of when, not if Alex DeBrinkett is traded, it's likely this summer. It may wait until next season's trade deadline, but it's happening. I can, I can very confidently say that. And they're going to use that to, to get things rolling for the rebuild. The other part of it is one, when they, people still seem surprised at that. Like, why wouldn't he be part of your rebuild? Well, as I mentioned, five, six, seven year plan, you think it takes somewhere between eight and 10 years more to the point. He's 24. Now he'll be, approximately 30 by the time they're where they want to be that. And the whole time between now and then they're going to need to pay him big bucks. He has a $9 million qualifying offer due at the end of this upcoming season. It gives you an indication of as a two time 40 goal scorer, where he's heading money wise, when you don't want to be good, you're not trying to be good. Why would you want to shell out on a contract like that? It makes no sense. So that's their thought process. And they know that they can get a haul for him considering the type of player he is and in his prime and one more season at a very reasonable 6 million bucks with Jonathan Tabes to answer your question. Um, the ball is in his court. He's entering the final year of his deal he's, he's not coming back after that. I, I think it's probably fair and safe to say that I can not with, you know, full, you know, definitively, you know, rubber stamp it, you know, bet your house on it, but he's already turned a side eye Jason to the rebuild. He, he doesn't sound like oh, someone that I wants to be part of it. Yeah. And he's had a ton of success there, right? Like you don't want to go the other way. I honestly wonder if he wants to continue playing at all. And I'm sure he'll finish out this contract. Um, but I wonder if he wants to continue beyond that and whether he returns this season is up to him. If he raises his hand and says, I want out, you know, trade me. Like I'm sure they'll be happy to facilitate it. Even if it's for nothing, cause they want to do right by him. Uh, if he wants the chance to go play somewhere else, I, I don't know what Jonathan Taves wants. 
I don't think they've engaged in those type of conversations yet with Kane and Taves. Kane has seemed way more interested in being part of the other end of it. And I think that's good news for Chicago because I think Kane can be like, I think he's one of those players that we'll be talking about at age 40 and we'll be like, yep. Same guy still. Oh, hey, Kane. Kane is such a dynamic player. I, th- I think at times maybe gets underrated for, uh, and, and I, when I say that, I don't think people understand the, h- how much Kane was a key cog in that Stanley cup uh, winning team. I know he won, um, you know, he scored so many key goals, but I, I don't think they go anywhere if they don't win the 2007 lottery. If, uh, and don't get past, you really Kane. think he was underrated. Well, like, uh, uh, is that little, possible? Well, it's funny because they had one a con Smythe. He's won a heart. He's won yeah. an art Ross. Like, I mean, he's had a couple hundred point seasons. Like what? Like he, he's showtime. He's been one of the biggest names, one of the biggest players in the game for 12 years. Oh no, I dude. I still, I just underrated though. I'm, I'm going to go with that, that contract was signed. Look at the difference since the day it was signed. Look at the production of Kane to Taves. Like it was, oh, it's it was always going to be that way though. Yeah. Right. I not mean, close. they weren't signing Jonathan Taves for the points, but not even that. Just look at his overall play. I don't, I, I don't think uh, his he's, play. he's, he's eight, he's fallen off a cliff. His, and, and I, I think probably kind of predictable though. No, given, you know, his game, his, his assets, his attributes, like he wasn't, He's never, he was never the fastest guy, never the strongest guy, never the biggest guy. Um, you know, he relied, Jonathan Taves is a pure grinder. He relied on, you know, edge and motivation and, and, and giving it everything he has to be successful. He's not overloaded with talent and skill. Yeah, I, I guess. So it goes back to, I remember the wall there, there were people trying to say that Taves or Crosby was two best players in the league. And I'm like, what? Taves isn't even the best player on his team, but yeah. um, he so, wasn't hey. even the third best player on this team. Yeah. So now there's Debrinkat, and then you've got a guy, Frank. There's there, now there, there are some scoring wingers here, and this could be this could be unreal to see how the chips fall and who's going to get traded and and who's signing. You know, you got Kevin Fiala, who had who's already been traded once. Uh, you know, from Nashville to, to Minnesota, and, and now Minnesota because of their, their cap space issues for the next three years with all the dead cap space. That you know, he's a guy you have right at the top of your list. Now, Bill Guerin's been very, very creative in Minnesota, Frank. So, like, is do you think it's a hundred percent lock and how much do you think Fiala, like is Fiala automatically a seven and a half, $8 million player in his next contract? I think it's a 95% likelihood that Kevin Fiala is getting traded. It might even be higher than that. Um, I think Kevin Fiala is a seven to seven and a half million AAV, not seven and a half to eight. Not that that's a huge difference. Um, does he get seven years? I don't know. I think his play in the playoffs, he struggled a bit, right? Like I think he, when you watched his game, he looked like someone that was trying to do the same in the playoffs that he did in the regular season. And that doesn't usually work or doesn't always work. Um, I, I think they're, they're interested in the player and the production. I just don't, they can't afford him. And so they'd like to take that and turn that or parlay that into pieces that fit under their cap. 
and, and maybe they can, maybe they can get better by the sum of those parts. Maybe they have to take a slight step back next season because they're missing that player in his production, but it was also a statistical outlier season for him too. Yes. Yeah. No, that's my question. Now, speaking of statistics, yeah, you mentioned statistics and I want to mention too, this is an interesting facet of free agency that teams, especially when they're looking at uh, players from the abs, Jay, a lot of those guys had career years that were way above and beyond their regular numbers. And how do you wrestle with that in terms of taking that player and plugging him in on his next team? Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Nazem Kadri. Um, Chris gear wrote a great story on dailyfaceoff.com a few months yeah. back. If you can find it about how they could actually afford to keep him it starts with getting McKinnon done and his extension first. So you know what you have, but how do you handle Kadri's season? Like he's so far above where he was and showed to be for all the previous seasons in his career. How many other guys on the abs got a similar type bump? Yeah. Like Nazem Kadri's previous career high was 61 points. He finished with 87. Yeah. It's like a Brad Marchand jump, right? Remember when Brad Marchand had like six years and then he went 85, 87, a hundred, right? And, and he's still been great. But so, he went 12 years before this. Yeah, and you're like, okay, 12 is a long, that's a lot of track record to say, this is where we believe this player is to then go like that. But like, how do you reconcile the other guys in the abs that also were way above their previous career norms and highs Andre Burakovsky, for instance, and Valerie Nachushkin, like Nachushkin, no one wanted this guy. He was on the scrap heap when the Colorado Avalanche signed him two years ago. Remember 2018, 19 with the Dallas oh, yeah. Stars? No zero goal? goals, zero penalty minutes in 57 games. How do you do that? Well, I wasn't engaged, right? I think that was pretty clear. Yeah, he's a younger player, though. So at least Barakovsky, you're right. Like Barakovsky, people still saw he's a top pick who who lots of players just, they need more time to figure out the league. Kadri's had tons of time. And um, you're right. He's probably maybe looked at as a 60-point guy, right? It's like Evander Kane, right? Evander Kane's career high, Frank, in points is 57. That's his career high. Now, this season, obviously, in Edmonton, he had 22 goals and 39 points in 43 games, right? And there's some, there's some, you know, you can say, ah, the NH, the shortened season, he would have projected for more. Sure, that's fine. But at the end of the day, okay, so fine, projected to 65, right? You know, Kane went off in the postseason at 13 and 15, but he's playing with the two best offensive players in the National Hockey League. I wonder how, T, now he was making seven mil before and he was a good player, but I, I saw Kevin Weeks at it that, you know, he'd be looking for eight million and, you know, maybe someone uh, brings it, but it is interesting when guys have career years leading up to free agency, how do you, how do you balance that? Right. Cause I, I think there's always the side of GMs are like, well, he did it once he can do it again. Right. And sometimes they pay him for that rather than say, well, what did he do the other six years? Yeah. It's, it's tough to balance. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do with Kane. Like I, 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 if I were the Oilers, I'd probably just say, you know what, this was a great opportunity. One moment in time where, we had a tiny bit of cap space. You were in trouble. You know, this was mutually beneficial. We helped throw you a lifeline. We put a little, little jangle in your pocket and you, we gave you an opportunity to show what you could. You scored 35 goals in 58 games. It was impressive. 
but to get locked up with a Vander Kane long-term, I, I think is a mistake. No, I, I said it the day he was signed that um, realistically, I thought a two-year deal would make the most sense. You might be able to convince me for three if the cap hit was lower, but I, I wouldn't go longer than that. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Frank. Um, I, the, some of the things I've heard off the ice and, you know, selfish guy will kind of beat to his own drum all the time that I, that's hard to change. Right. My Angelou always said it once, Frank, when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe it. And um, you know what uh, you can change. And then there's certain things, uh, you know, hopefully improves on, but that, because it's, it's funny, like the, the best description I heard from, he's not a bad guy. He's just ultra selfish. That was what I heard from numerous players. So if well, you're ultra selfish, that means you'll decide, Hey, I, you know what? Curfew doesn't mean to matter to me. Hey, this doesn't matter to me because I'm more important. And so that to me is going to be the risk And any team. If some team offers him a long-term deal, I think they'll end up regretting it short term. I think you keep them. You kind of have the, you have the carrot dangling in front of them, right? It keeps them motivated to stay on track. And because if, if you go off track on a short-term deal, then guess what? You're costing yourself big time on the next deal. I'm not here to say whether he, is a good guy or a bad guy or selfish or he isn't, I don't really care. Um, he's unquestionably a good hockey player. He can oh, unquestionably yeah. score goals and he's a really smart guy. I think that's what's a, the most annoying part about all of this is like Vander Kane's no dummy. No, not at all. And I just think teams have been snookered already multiple teams. Hey, this guy's, you know, he's going to change. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Remember how we had all these stories in San Jose to start all oh, different guy, you know, amazing comes in one year has a great year. They signed him to that seven year extension. And all we heard, like, Oh, jumbo set him straight, picked him up at the airport. And like, this it's all great. It took three years for for that to rear its head and for them to run him out of town to the point where they literally were like, we don't care what needs to happen. We are terminating this contract (laughs) because they just couldn't deal with him anymore. He shows up in Edmonton. He's a smart guy. He's, he's able to be a chameleon and fit in and blend in. And now what it's easy to do that for, I don't know. When did you get there? February? Like basically eight and a January. Yeah. Four months. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, I think it'd be a mistake to do anything more than honestly, I'd give him one year deal. I'd give him a series of one year deals and I'd be willing to pay more just to have the flexibility. You want one year, 8 million. I'll do that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, But my guess is to get him, someone's going to have to do three times seven or something like that in order to make it happen. And I don't blame him at all. He's in a spot where he needs to maximize his earnings and get as much as he can. Uh, The one thing that Evander Kane showed that I've always believed, Frank, you put an actual finisher with McDavid or Drysaddle, that's what's going to happen. And I think for the Edmonton orders, um, like no, no offense to Kyler Yamamoto or Yessa Pugliarvi or even Zach Hyman, you need a legit finisher. And that's how good would Debrinket look there? Oh, geez. Yeah. Wouldn't he be the, like, if you were to find a prototype player to plug in there, is that the guy? 
Um, well, see, the one other element that Kane brought that the orders organization needed, he was tough. Yeah, right? he's like, got that fat, that edge to him. Yeah, he's got an edge. He's physically can really skate. So I didn't realize he led the league for two seasons in penalty. Minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's always engaged, right? Like he, he'll rough guys up. He's not intimidated by anybody. I give him credit no. for that. Like he does not get intimidated. We saw him, you know, he chirp Reeves. He'll fight Reeves for goodness sake. So he's not scared. And I think that that does. I'm still a believer that when you have a guy mm-hmm. like that on your team, it elevates other guys and physically. So I'm not sure to bring cat necessarily. Like I, you know, if you have Yamamoto still in your top six, then you throw him to bring cat. Like, mm, mm, yeah, I, I, I don't know if, if that's necessarily the one. And that's the challenge for the orders. Like it's hard to find legit goal scores. Right. So, so maybe you can, maybe you look at it, but I, I think that's think, why the Oilers are so desperate to consider the option or conversation is like, yeah. he does score. He's a finisher and he's got the edge that he, he is a really good fit stylistically. And that's why I think they have to go through the exercise. I, I would just say enough is enough at some point. The guy on your trade board that, that would be kind of like a a poor man's version of Kane is Josh Anderson, right? Big body. He doesn't, you know, he did score 27 goals once, right? The basically the other times he's like an 18 to to 19 goal score. Um, If he stays healthy the way he plays, you know, but, but, he does. I don't think he's still as good of a pure finisher as much as Kane, but you know what? He's a fairly smart player. He would be the one guy, right? And he's what? 5.5 cap. He's locked up for a long time. You know, maybe Montreal's looking to completely change things for them, but he's the one guy on your trade board, Frank, that kind of fits the bill of the style of play of Kane. He's not as good of a producer yet, at least historically hasn't been, but he would be the closest one that I see on the board. Yeah, I, I have, he, I think he's a real long shot to move. Yeah, I would agree too. Why would they, I think, think they've gotten some really interesting offers though? Like I think teams have been very aggressive in trying to get him. And I think to this point they've resisted every urge, but I've kept, I kept him on there because I think you have to at least allow for the possibility that someone just comes in and says, you know what, whatever you want, you can have, we, we want this guy. Yeah, the one name on your board that intrigues me because I'm curious about how much of it is his play. Cause he, his safe percentage the last three years, Frank, 904, 903, 904. And then if you look at expected goals and everything else, John Gibson hasn't had great years recently. You look at the backups of being better in the games they've played. How much of that though is, is a frustration of not being competitive. But even last year, Frank, remember the ducks for, for the first 50, 60 games, they were right in it. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't have great numbers. So I'm curious, John Gibson, how much of that is him just being frustrated, you know, having down year or is three years of 903, 904, is that a reflection of where his game is at? He's the intriguing one for me because teams, I can see them taking the risk because he's locked in. And if he comes back, you're like, wow, this is great. We got a legit goalie now. For, and what if for, he doesn't? Yeah. What if he doesn't? That's my question about John Gibson. That's a long time. Uh, you got six years. I, I don't know where to come out on Gibson because I think there's always been detractors to his game and I'm not sure why everyone looked at him previously when it's, his numbers were really good. And they say he's a volume saver because they get so many shots against that. His save percentage is really good. Well, he continued to face a lot of rubber and then let in more. And now his save percentage isn't as good for these last three years. It's actually under league average, 904, 903, 904. Is he 
All, I, I can say this. The Ducks are frustrated with him. Mm-hmm. And they're frustrated with his frustrated body language. They think it doesn't help. Um, when you let in a goal and you give your teammates the death stare, uh, when you're kind of openly blaming someone else for the puck going in, it, it seems like that's, there's a lot of that that goes on and happens. Um, but is part of that just the frustration because the team's been no good for a while now? And would it look different on a team that's really good if you get a really engaged John Gibson again? Can he get back to the level that he was at? I don't know the answer. I would tend to lean towards not taking the risk on the contract, but I could be swayed otherwise. Yeah. Uh, um, there, there is some names on there that I wonder if, if potentially would even be moved for each other. Cause if you look at teams that need the style of player, Varlamov and Barry in a swap for one another cap hits are virtually the same. Um, the Islanders want some offense from their back end. Tyson Barry is, is unreal. Uh, you know, Jim Fox uh, said it in the, in the playoffs. He goes the most underrated part of the order's power play is just how smooth Barry is at the top. And, and he's so quick laterally and distributes a puck. And he's a top 10 offensive defenseman, Frank. For a decade, he's seventh in the last decade. In the last few years, he's still top 10. Like he is, he's a consistent, oh, start the season, you know, Barry's going to get you 40 plus points, right? He's done nothing wrong. No, nothing wrong. And he, to me, is a very highly tradable asset because at the time now, the NHL needs the t- everybody's knowing there's a big uptick in offense again, right? Uh, in the regular season, you need to score. Heck, in the postseason, um, you need to score, unless you're Tampa Bay. But, um, I, I look at Barry and I, for two years, man, at 4.5, I think there's going to be lots of suitors for him. It's just a matter of, of where it goes, but the Islanders are a perfect fit. You know, I, I wonder if there's a deal now, Varlamov, obviously, would he want to go uh, to Edmonton? That to me is the question. Um, lots of the, the Russian guys have talked to him. It's not, a, but they like to be in places where there's a little bit more of a Russian community, like New York, New York, New Jersey. They love it there. Especially right? like the Island. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I'm not sure necessarily that works, but I think Barry Edmonton has to shed some cap space, but he also has a lot of value. I, uh, of all the guys on your board, I think that are locks to get moved. It's him. Yeah. He's, he's certainly up there. Um, my question for you is, are you comfortable with the Oilers? Like how, how different I know Bouchard has seen a lot of power play time, but how different does do things look when you're relying more on Bouchard and taking Barry out of the mix? Well, it's fair because they're very different players on the power play, right? Bouchard has a cannon of a shot. Right. Barry has a pretty it. good he shot. He doesn't move well. No, he do, he's not as quick laterally as Barry. And that and that's where I think some people in Edmonton, they overlook that. They they just think Barry's at the back and he's just distributing the puck and anybody can do it. I'm like, no. And there's no. a reason why, actually, Darnell Nurse was actually as good on the power play for short stints because he can move laterally just like Barry, right. To, to facilitate what they like to do on their power play, because I talked to penalty killers and the, the reason Edmonton's power plays is, is so hard is they don't dry settle McDavid rarely stay in the same position. And sometimes they get floating around and they move around and all of a sudden you can't defend it, but you need mobility on the back end to work. it. I think Bouchard can do it, but I don't think, you know, it's something he's going to have to work on a little bit, which is fine. It'll add a different element. Maybe sometimes you see him slide down on the left side for the one timer, right at the top of the umbrella is something, but I think they'll, 
still do it, but it's more so because they need Frank. You you can't have Bouchard, Barry, and CeCe on your right side next year in the playoffs for Edmonton. I think they need a more physical presence on their right side back end. So you don't think the answer is going with CeCe, Broberg, and Bouchard? Well, you could do it. And, and, and I think, Frank, honestly, I think that's, I think what, that's they, what they're going to do. They're going to start with. But I think you watch as the season, like I think Edmonton's construction of their team is not going to be complete this off season. Right. I spoke to Mike Rupp about it. People think you can just revamp your whole bottom six in one off season. It ain't happening. So the, the Edmonton's going to make some changes, right? Goaltending is obviously going to be the number one. What are they going to do there? But and not because my smick's terrible. We'll get into that if we want, but it's more so I think Edmonton Frank is going to be like, Hey, we're good enough. We got to get to the trade deadline. Um, we don't want to overpay in free agency because that rarely works. And I think that, you know, Edmonton's the Barry trade is one trade, you know, Matt Yamamoto Pogliari possibly is another one, but then the give rest you the of the linchpin to Edmonton's off season, right? Like the trading the rest- Oscar Clefbaum's contract. Yeah, you could do that too. I've you talked about it. You have to do that. Yeah. Because if you don't, and yeah, you, then you're, you're an LTI to start. Well, if you're an LTI at all, you're not accruing cap space. Yes. And so if you're saying, if what you're saying is true, that the key to the Oilers season will be the moves that they make at the deadline, because they're not going to start perfectly, then you need to begin banking space at the beginning of the season and you need to bank it all year long. Yeah. And then you can spend it at the deadline. And yeah. if you have cleft bomb and on LTIR, it's not going to be possible. No, I'm telling a- you, that's the one of the linchpins to the summer. Yeah. Well, I asked, I asked Ken Holland about it. He's like, and um, you know, he's like, wow, this, I understand. That's why I asked the question, Ken, because I understand that it, it, there's a benefit to do it. And Hey, we, we had him on the show, Frank, Bill Armstrong basically put out a big flag. Hey guys over here, you know, we'll take contracts. We'll what would you be willing to spend to do it? Well, that's the thing, right? Like I'd I don't go, think his contract is insured. I don't think it was insurable yes. no, based it's on not, pre- it's not previous, um, previous injuries. Yes. And that means that all of Clefbaum's money actually has to be paid out in real dollars. So yes. that's why a team like Arizona is going to make you pay more to do it. He's mm-hmm. owed $5.169 million between July one and July one. Yeah. So that, that makes it, that definitely makes it more challenging. There's no question. So it's the most expensive year of his deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- they're going to have to make some moves uh, for sure. The, the other team that, that I look at, Frank, and you've got a, a few of their guys on there is the Vancouver Canucks. I am massively intrigued by what the Canucks are going to do. Like, I think JT Miller um, now from afar. Right. Man, he, he's everything you want on that team. And I understand he's older and he had a hundred points. He never had a hundred points before. So do I expect him to get a hundred points again? Maybe not, but Man, you you move him out. I just think that creates a big hole. And I. Oh, enormous. Yeah, he added some juice to that team. And I wonder if if getting rid of him is is the best move for them. Like where, where, what direction are they going and what return are they going to get? Like if you're trading JT Mill, you're likely getting futures. Are you not? Um, It depends. I I would think, I would imagine it, it depends on where he goes. Like. One of the teams, and it's no shock, the Rangers were, they were salivating over JT Miller. That was their guy. That's who they wanted. They had him. They sent him to Tampa. Uh, Tampa traded him to Vancouver. He, he's done everything the Canucks could have possibly yes. asked. 
217 points in 202 games, something like it's crazy how productive he's been. 99 point season play driving center. That is the heartbeat of your team. You mentioned juice. That's exactly what he brings. And he's got a nice little edge to his game and yes. his personality. Oh, um, that's why teams are salivating. So I think if you're trading JT Miller, of course, some part of it is going to be a first round pick or whatever, but they need a roster player back that doesn't cut their legs out from under them. And preferably someone that's younger. Remember that was one of the things that I'm sure people keyed in on, but Jim Rutherford mentioned, we want to get guys 23, 24 and younger as part of our team. We want to make our team a little bit younger. Yeah. And, and the thing why I believe it's like, I like Demko. I like Hughes, right? Like, you know, Pedersen seemed to finally find his game again in the second half of the season in Vancouver, but you look at, so the orders are good. I don't think Calgary's just going to completely fall off. I think Vegas is going to make some moves that uh, put them back in the hunt. The LA Kings are on the uptick. Like if you're, so Vancouver, let's talk about Calgary though. What happens if Calgary does fall off? What happens uh, if they don't get Johnny Gaudreau? Like, I, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that they don't. No, no. If Johnny Gaudreau doesn't think, come back, I think there is a chance that they could. Yeah, well, you lose Gaudreau, that, that still opens up a lot of money, Frank. And so you you do have the cap space to then replace him. You know, maybe not with someone as good as Johnny Gaudreau, but a, but a, a decent facsimile, right? Okay. You're going to free up $7 bucks. Right. Well, it's more than that now, because that's what yeah. they'd be committing to Gaudreau. Yeah. You'd be freeing up 10 million bucks or sure. whatever the so, number ends up being. Uh, like, I don't know my, my gut feels, I'm not, I don't know. I don't think he's, uh, he's that, that's the one challenge for Canadian teams is when you have Americans become UFAs. And I understand it. a lot of them are more comfortable playing in their home country. They just, they like it more. And it's not I don't a knock. Know if it's about country. I think it's just part of it. I think it's just natural geographic location. Like Johnny Gaudreau is from out my way. Um, played a lot of the same minor hockey circles. Like Calgary is just really far from here. It's not oh, yeah. easy to get to. Yeah. yeah, No, that's fair too. Right. So I, uh, you know, it's like, sorry Connor to cut Hellebuck. you off about the Canucks. Yeah. But it's like Connor Hellebuck in the future too. So yeah. The you know, wait, wait, wait a second. Why did you mention Hellebuck? Because he seems to have popped up here and I've heard some chatter, some rumor is Connor Hellebuck available. I know he needs an extension at some point and can negotiate one starting July summer? 1st, yeah. whatever day it is. I think it, I, I think so. Is, is that why he is popping up in conversation or is it for another? I, I couldn't understand it. I made calls. He, he's, he's not eligible till the next July 1st. He has two years left on his deal. Oh, okay. I thought he had one, but no, then it's if two. He has two, then yeah. But I just think when, when his deal comes up, Frank, He's another guy that I, I I put him in the Johnny Gaudreau. He's he's a high elite American born player, and I think a, a lot of them like to play at home, and, that, and that's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I just think that that's something that you know um, you look at. And but Johnny Gaudreau, you know, but Van, going back to Vancouver, I you know they say they want to get yeah, like Vancouver's got to improve their defense somehow. And so like if they trade JT Miller, man, they got to try to use that to get a, a really good defenseman because overpaying for a defenseman in free agency is not the path that Vancouver should be going down. So there really aren't very many free agent defensemen available that are of impact is one. And two, another refrain that I keep hearing from Vancouver is, well, why don't you just trade Tyler Myers to free up cap space? And I'm like, 
I mean, I guess you could two years left at 6 million, but if you're trying to get better on defense yeah. and you're looking for right shot guys, how is that helping your team? It may help your salary cap, but it may not be helping your team. Unless you feel you've got some internal um, solutions, right? Who? And I'm not, I'm not sold. They do right now. Who on the right? I mean, who on the rights they're, they're struggling for right shot guys. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. Yeah. They don't have them. No. Yeah. They, uh, the Canucks are, that's why to me, they're like, when I look at teams that I'm intrigued by, cause I think the Canucks are close, but that's with JT Miller. And all of a sudden, cause I really like Demko. I, th- I think Demko is fantastic. Actually Demko has, I think he, over the last two seasons, Frank, um, I think he expected save percentage. He had the best in the NHL, right? Like he's, he's, he's very good right now. They give up a ton, but he's also very good. And when you have a goalie like that, you got a shot automatically. You have a shot. And so that's you why hear something funny. I had a, a league executive I was talking to in, in deep conversation and it'd be fun to just bat around the idea. He was like, I would trade Thatcher Demko right now. What? And I was like, huh? I almost fell off my chair, Jay. I almost fell off my chair. I was like, Thatcher Demko, he's one of the best goalies in the league, let alone being at his age and locked up for four more years at 5 million bucks. Like he's perfect. Uh Uh, There seemed to be some thought that they, they were like, I don't know if his body's going to be able to keep up. He's had some hip issues already. Mm. And they, he said, watch out for that. Okay. He's going to be the next Corey Schneider is what I was told. And I said, huh? And I was like, I don't know. I I don't know anything about that, but just something to think about. I mean, Corey Schneider is 36. Now he's basically been out of the game for four years already. So he was done by the time he was 32. Demko's 26 turning, turning 27 in December. Hmm. Well, hip issues for goaltenders. I know I've talked to a lot of them and depending on what it is, that could be a problem for sure. But yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's always a tough one for me is to project like injuries. I find maybe some can give you a little bit of a red flag uh, to say, Hey, maybe that's a possibility, but I've seen guys who who've been injured for two, three years, and then they go eight years with no injuries. So the injury sometimes can be depending on what the injury is. Of course. So I was like, there's no chance I would trade that or no gosh, I'd play him until his legs fall off. No offense. Well, but see Frank, there's the thing though. That's the mistake. I think that some teams make now is find a good enough backup that you're not, that you're not forcing your coach to be like, Oh, got to play our starter again play, get a backup. So you're limiting his minutes. So he only has to play, you know, 58 to 60 games. Don't have him up in the high 60 range. Like to me, that's, that's the issue. Speaking of Vancouver, I'm surprised that there has been no interest and or traction on Travis green. Does that surprise you? Um, I don't know if he's had one interview to this point. I, the, the With all these thing, openings. Yeah. The, the only thing I'd heard like, um, well, but then again, Frank, I, we, we can get into some of the coaches like, 
you know, recycling certain guys, I'm not sure that's the best idea. When, when you look at, I think there's some up and coming coaches that, uh, you know, around the, the teams, it's easy to recycle the big name guys. I understand it. Right. But, but then there's others where I look and say, like, you know, Travis Green doesn't have a great track record, right? Like he had okay success in Vancouver, but when you look at how the team played the minute he left, right under the new coach, who's a really good coach. Right. And, and that's, I think and I what's think, really damaged him. Right. Yeah. And I think it comes down to being a communicator. Now more every, every coach is a good X and O's coach. You don't get to the NHL without being X and O guy to some level, but how can you communicate differently with today's player? I, I think he's really good at that. Green. Yes. Okay. That's why I'm surprised. I think a lot of the issues and struggles that they've had there. I, I don't like, I, maybe I'm misreading the situation. I don't know that Bruce Boudreaux is this unbelievable communicator. I think he came in with a really positive approach and mindset and wiped the slate clean. And I think he's a fun guy to be around, which helps. I don't, is he a better communicator than Travis Green? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, di- di- you know, maybe different, right? But I, yeah. but I already said, Frank, of all the coaches last year, wh- the day he got hired, I said, Bruce Boudreaux, there's nobody who's in a better situation because his best players weren't playing very well. And suddenly he got his best players to play better. Now, it's not like he gave them more skill. They already had skill, right? But Elias Pedersen had done nothing Mm-hmm. nothing right go down the list of guys in vancouver that were struggling prior to bruce boudreaux so maybe you connect that to the coach or maybe sometimes you got to connect that a little maybe bit you to the are, players yeah maybe you unfairly then lop that on travis green yeah that's fair yeah i'm, I'm well, surprised i'm surprised that it's set you know seven openings right and he hasn't got an interview on any of them not to my knowledge yeah that's a little surprising you'd think that he'd at least get an interview yep so who do you think is the surprise coach? Who's the coach that um, gets a job that maybe people weren't expecting to get hired? Mm, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know that there is a real surprise. Yeah. I think okay, I saw maybe you, that's I, the answer. I saw you tweeting out. Like you, you mentioned Tortorella gets in on the second round in Philadelphia. Do, is that the guy for the Flyers in your opinion? You're in Philly. He may be the guy. Is he the right guy? I don't know. Um, I think he's really interested. I don't, I, I think the flyers are interested. I think they're also holding out on, I feel like they're holding out on Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. Like the other guy that I, if I'm a team and I want to have success, I'm hiring Pete DeBoer. Pete DeBoer has a track record. Uh, now, some people might not like Pete DeBoer. That's, I don't. I don't really care about liking it or not. All I know is his track record in multiple different organizations. They win. I'll say if there's a surprise guy, I think it might be Nate Lehman in Boston. Okay. Uh-huh. They they interviewed him for their AHL job in Providence. I believe it was last summer, mm-hmm. and they loved him. They couldn't convince him to leave Providence College, and a lot of people have tried. He's BU, BC, they've all tried to get Nate Lehman. World US World Junior Coach had success. Yes. Man, um, I, I, I'll tell you, Frank, I um I sat down with Nate 
uh, about about three years ago. Um, but they had the coaching uh, thing and I I saw Nate and we ended up talking, I had him on my show and afterwards we just sat down when it was over and we chatted for like 20 minutes and I'm like, sharp guy, this guy, not only was he bright, but he was just so enthusiastic. Like he's he's charismatic and I'm like, Holy cow. Like, or every every guy, if, if you had listened to him all the time, you'd be running through a brick wall for him. Like he just he had that it factor a little bit when it came to communicating. But also when we were talking about hockey styles and systems and, and you know, his philosophy on thing, I was just like, this guy's coming at some point. Right. But I, what I liked about him, Frank, was he said, I need to learn more. And I love hearing that from guys. he was very self-aware at that time of where he was at in his coaching career. Right. And he was felt like, like I need to learn. Ago? Yeah. And that was three years ago. And so. Okay. He, uh, I've talked to Nate since, of course, and that's a really good name. I like it. He's, um, they loved him. I'm telling guy, you, they, they couldn't get him to leave Providence College to go to Providence AHL. And I think if they were to come back again, that would be a hard job to turn down. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, NHL. but the thing is, he's got a job for life in Providence. Yeah. And, and that's, that's some guys walk away from no. that. And they collect the money. And I think, I don't want to say they end up regretting it. Cause I don't know that you ever, you get 10 million bucks. Like you're never regretting it. Um, but like David Quinn walked away from a job for life in, at, at BU and he went to be the coach of the Rangers. It didn't last as long as everyone thought it might. And now he's looking for his next opportunity. Well, and it's a different type of coach there. Like, you know, that you're coaching, not only are you coaching players, you're helping mold young men. And for a lot of guys, that's a really important aspect. And I respect that a lot. I respect that. Well, and you make a nice living and there's not as much pressure and you got all these perks and it's fun. It can influence people in different ways, right? In more than just hockey too. It's fun. And there's a business aspect to it that you're involved in building a program and boosters and donors and all like you're involved in a a little bit of everything. You're like the CEO of your school's program. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's enticing uh, and it's hard to step away from, but I think if the Bruins were to come calling Nate, I think Nate Lehman would be an interesting fit. I don't know that there's another real surprise. Um, I wonder about like when you look at, so like, okay, so Bruce Cassidy leaves Boston. I think he's a, I think if I were to make a prediction, I would say he ends up in Vegas. Yeah, I could see that. I was going to say maybe even Detroit, but Vegas is definitely closer to being competitive. Well, they are competitive. I heard Detroit likes Derek Lalonde from Tampa. Well, Steve would know him. He would know him. Uh, I would think. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. No. All right. Hey, let's bring Funny, in. It's, uh, it's the uh, it's the old. Uh, if your name comes out publicly in Detroit, that means you're not getting the job. You scratch <laughs> him off the list. Yeah, that's fair. That's so. Totally I hope I didn't. Uh, I hope I didn't damage his chances there. <laughs> uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Ramchuk Ready to go with another edition of Buyer Cell delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Come on. Ding dong. Did you know producer Liam during the Oilers playoff run would routinely eat three to five bananas per game? We'd call call them his stress bananas. He would just sit at home and he'd just, he'd get stressed and he'd need to eat and he just crushes bananas. That's with me and ice cream or (laughs) 
whiskey or whatever other i'm not a i'm a stress candy eater i'm i oh are you kidding look at me i am the definition of a stress eater i am uh i sit at my desk and i stress and i'm like oh yeah all day long trust me if i buy junk food like dinosaurs or stuff oh i'll crush them all day long but it's never out of stress Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe I've, that says something about me. I've had a big bag of sour gummy worms just sitting on my counter for oh, the last buddy. I love them. Oh, and I just walk by. I can't keep them like in my office around my desk because they'll be gone. But I make excuses to like go walk out and be like, quick one you here, two quick skinny one there. pricks. <laughs> uh, all right. Mix in some veggies, Frank. That's what mine is. It's all about the nutrition. She said 85% healthy, the other 15 you cheat. So I'm like, perfect. That's a good balance. All right, let's get into buy or sell here. Uh, one interesting rumor that's kind of been popping up over the last, I don't know, three, four days here is surrounding David Pasternak. I'm not buying it. I'm going to say David Pasternak will start the season as a Boston Bruin. Frank, you buying or selling? I am buying that. And I am, I will take it one step further. Not only will David Pasternak start the season with the Bruins, he will start the season with a fresh, new, very Ooh. expensive extension. Oh yeah. He's, he's been a pretty good deal at 6.6 for a few years. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not buying that one for a second. I, I think he loves it in Boston. Um, they, you know, Brad Marchand's locked up long-term. They just signed Lindholm. They've got McAvoy. They've got two young goalies. I know that they might have to retool their center ice position potentially with Bergeron or Krejci, but what if Bergeron convinces Krejci to do a one-year deal? And they both come back. I I'm with Frank. I no. I don't think that's happening by the way. And no, I, think I know. they're actually trying to tank for Connor Bedard next year. Wow, that's a pretty big tank job, Frank. Yeah, well, the Montreal Canadiens did it. They went from the Stanley Cup final to the lottery and oh, yeah. won it. Yeah, so, but that but that wasn't that was injuries and they this is the same thing. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy's out until December. Brad Marchand's yeah. out until December. Patrice Bergeron might not come back. Two other of their defensemen are out until November. I don't know. Uh, it's is it really that far fetched? I don't think it is. New coach. Uh, who's to say that that team doesn't start the first six weeks of the season in the absolute shitter. Well, I'll say this. I picked the Bruins to miss playoffs last year. I was totally wrong because I thought eventually they were just due for a little bit of a setback. So So I I could see it, but repeating what Montreal did, like that's a, a lot of things have to go right to be that bad. And then what happens if you don't win the lottery, you pick second and you take Matt Vemichkov and he's not going to come for six years or whatever the deal is there, you know? Uh, who yeah. cares? They serve with Kaprizov. I don't yeah. care when year he comes. He could come 12 years from now. If he's still that freaking good, you still take him. Oh, hundred uh, percent. That guy's good. Uh, coming north of the border here. One name that we, there was a bit of chatter about this guy throughout the regular season, but it died down a little bit is Mark Shifley. I'm going to say, Frank, he's low on your board. He was actually the last name you had listed at, I think, number 25. But I'm going to say Mark Shifley will not start the season as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Buy or sell, Jason? Uh, I will sell. I, uh, but I'll say this though. I don't think he's long for Winnipeg. I'm just not sure this is the off season he gets dealt. Okay. Right. Putting him in the 25 spot on a 25 man board is the old cover your ass position. (laughs) Make sure that this guy doesn't get treated because it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think the jets have some real soul searching to do. I think they have some significant problems in that locker room. I think Mark Shifley is someone that has developed a reputation of being a complainer, someone that is more or less miserable. Most of the time, 
I don't know whether that has to do with the team, the lack of success the last couple of years, the market living there. I don't know what his issue is, but it's, it is real. They have catered and pandered to him at just about every turn. And I think the act is wearing thin. I don't think the jets want to trade him because I think they know that they'll never get equal value in return. Yep. And that's the problem. And I think they've also done so much work trying to assemble this team with Shifley and Dubois down the middle that they're not ready to give up on it. But I will say this, Mark Shifley will have some say in what happens next. If he publicly privately says, get me out of here, I'm not coming back. Well, then that's a different story and they might have to. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility based on his comments to end the season. Interesting. Very interesting. That's one of those storylines that'll just fascinate me heading into the summer here. Uh, And that's why I was curious, by the way, we talked about Hellebuck. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that comes from, but he also has a reputation for driving them a little bit crazy. How do they sort out the issues that they have in that room? And are they basically saying, we're just tired of this stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's friction. They're just, I don't know any other way to say it than that. There's friction. Last one I got, uh, we are under a month away from the draft. We obviously previewed things on Monday's episode with Chris Peters. Uh, I'm going to say, and I asked him about this a little bit on the daily Faceoff show earlier in the week as well. One top five pick gets traded this year by yourself, Frank. Um, I will buy, I will say, I think the devils flirt with it, but don't do it. I just think with where they're at, they're not good enough yet to say, you know what? We really need some certain piece in order to make it happen. Um, I don't know. I feel like this draft is the least there's intrigue in this, in the picks of course, but I think there's like less excitement about these players. Once you get past the top three or four, than there really has been in a long time. Yeah. There, there's no projected dominant player, which doesn't mean that there won't be some, right. Um, you know, you look at one of the top five players in the NHL in my eyes right now is Vasilevsky. He didn't go till 19th in the 2012 draft and he'd easy be the best player from it, but he wasn't hyped up like that at all. So, you know, you can always find different guys. Uh, I'm going to buy Ty because I think we could, I think we're going to see some teams trade down a few spots for once. I know it's very rare, but that's what, uh, that's what I see. I could see someone in the four or five slots, someone, you know, moving up uh, just a few spots. So I'm going to say there's going to be a draft floor trade that just involves picks. So that's that swap has happened actually somewhat frequently over the last 20 years where like some teams that are in the top five swap places. Yes. You'd have to go back to 2001 with the Jason Spezza, Alexi Yashin or the Zabino big trade, trade for yeah. a team to trade out. That's the last time it's happened. Well, for top five. Yeah. Right. You had the Jeff Carter trade with Columbus and they were what seventh or eighth, but um, yeah, you're right in the top five. It's just, it's because teams in the top five teams ask for so much. I've talked to GMs all the time, like, and, and I rightfully so, but a lot of time they'll ask for the moon for you to, to move up and, and look like, look at that trade. The, You're not you getting just, the moon this year. I no, think. but right. Like look at that trade. And, and it's funny because we, we say for the moon, but man, did the, uh, did the Islanders ever regret that deal very quickly? Spezza mm-hmm. and Chara yeah. for Yashin. 
Uh, no kidding. Uh, wrapping it up with our points bet bonus question. Shout out to our friends at points bet Canada live in Ontario. Uh, I, I asked you guys about breakfast last time. So I'm going to stay like, you know, I'm not, I'm going outside of hockey for this one, but last night I went, I played a little late night golf in Edmonton, which is one of my favorite things about this time of year in, uh, in Alberta is that you can golf until like makes me so jealous. So that's my favorite, like start of summer tradition is when I get my first late night round of golf in. So whether it's something you do, something you and the family do, what's your start of summer tradition? Something that when it happens, you're like, ah, now we're in summer. Frank? Uh, for me, uh, so we go to Ocean City, New Jersey. We try and go down every weekend. Um, it's, it's getting the first Italian hoagie of the summer from this spot that's unreal. Voltacos. I, unfortunately, I can't eat... Uh, gluten anymore and i miss the bread there so much but that is like my chef's kiss of uh of the start of summer it's like we've arrived well i kind of have too. my first one happened last weekend because we, we always go to canmore um biking and hiking uh, uh the first weekend of july we've done it or june excuse me for uh, for years with, with my wife and son and so that's when i know you know my son's jazzed up because that means it's the final month of school so he gets pretty fired up um and the uh, they have the hard ice cream there and uh tell like i'm a huge fan of tiger ice cream like not many people love oh, it because yeah. not many people have good taste clearly because <laughs> what is it what is it i've never heard of tiger yeah, I think we've talked about it before tiger ice cream. oh but okay so it's orange ice cream and then it's like mixed in it's like a tiger black and orange and it's uh so the orange is is kind of like uh, the black is like black licorice a little bit it's such a good mixture oh no no it's don't, not bad don't do that Frank. <laughs> see, see, for, I, no, so I don't, like, so I don't it, like black licorice so that's the only thing but, I, right, hate I hate black licorice, licorice but tiger okay. ice cream i'm just saying it has a little bit of flavor but it's not as it's not as overpowering like the anise or whatever the, and what's the, the orange though uh, the orange is just like kind of like orange sherbet almost. Ooh. Oh, trust me, Frank. Next time you I come, would try I'll get it. You, I will yeah. get you a tiger ice cream and it's a game changer. And we then do the not one, have tiger ice cream. Yeah. The other one for, for me, of course, the sign of summer is the bull gets let out. It's breeding season. So uh, that means uh, bingo, bango, bongo uh, money's coming in. So there you go. I knew we'd get a good farm boy answer from uh, from Jason Gregor. That's going to be a wrap on another edition of Buy or Sell Delivered by our oh. friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Yeah, it's like the 12 days you guys get any warmth up there. You got to take advantage. <laughs> hey, hey, our summers are long, man. It's funny. Like people. Your summers I'm, are short, but your days are long. Yeah. Summers, you know what? Actually, see, I don't know, maybe because I grew up here, but like I don't need eight months of summer. Um, I, we uh, we I only like get three like here four. and I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get three. We easily get three here. June, July, like July and August in, in but Alberta. It's snowing in September Bro. in Alberta. Like, yeah, well, that's I just said June, July, August. Three and it snows and you know how hot, Frank it'll snow in September as often as you eat tiger ice cream. Very rarely. I, I don't think that's accurate. Dude, I live here. Frank, we live you, here. We don't get much snow. <laughs> uh, I, how many times do I see on the news that, uh, Hey, Calgary got three inches of snow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Calgary. They're like Grand Prairie randomly gets it like every five years. Yeah. Cause they're way North. Like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, it happens. Grand, Grand Prairie might as well be on the moon. That's how far it is. Yeah, it, uh, every now and then, but uh, we don't get a ton of snow, right? Hey, we get a lot of fall golf, man. But uh, I, I play I golf in December and January. Like, yeah, that's fair. No, it's true. But hey, you know what? My son's got into golf. Went and bought him up some clubs, buddy. It's yeah. uh, it's been unreal, it's exciting, I, I, and also frustrating. Uh, well, you know what? Honestly, I put him in this camp called Operation Thirty Six. 
And so what that does is he goes out, they have coaches. I don't have to do anything, which is great because I don't like coaching my kid on everything. I'm not a golf coach. And so you play, you play nine holes, Frank. And so the started for, you know, he's, he's eight first time golf and you have to get, they started 25 yards out and you have to par every hole. Basically, once you par every hole, and even if you birdie one or bogey, as long as you shoot 36, then you move back to 50 yards. Right. Yeah. And then you got yeah, four yeah, shots yeah. to get from 50. It is. He loves it. And so all yeah. of a sudden now I'm at the driving range all the time. Like it, it's That's fun. It's been great. He's got his little clubs. They, he, he's got them. He's, they're in his room all the time. They, when he gets home from golf, his golf clubs go in his corner of his room. So yeah, he's fired up. He loves the golf. So it's kind of fun thing to do. I love yeah. it. Like I go to the driving range now, like no problem because I just bring him and he loves it. Maybe your game will actually get better. Yeah, well, that's true. Like my golf game, I haven't really golfed much because I didn't golf. Like we went swimming every summer, but now that he likes to golf. Yeah. I don't mind. But I don't love golf. You're I like have to convert that membership from social to golf. Yeah. Well, that's, you know what, that'll probably be the next year at the Glendale, but yeah. I like, uh, I like the, I like the social aspect of golf. I play way better when I'm chirping guys. I can't, I don't like serious golfers. If you're a serious golfer, like I'll never, I won't golf with you. Like the guys who can't handle someone chirping them a little bit, maybe you're off to the side and you're backswing. And I'm like, dude, if you can't concentrate because some guy 12 feet away is whispering, get over it. Like, Oh, it's the worst. I agree. Yeah. By the way, we were talking, we we're just talking about Derek Lalonde. Is there a more sick nickname out there in the league than Newsy? Newsy Lalonde? Wow, dude. Hall of Famer. Oh, it's a great name, man. Great. 99 games played, 167 points. Guy could score, buddy. Now, is, uh, is, is this a, uh, is Lalonde a longtime uh, relation to Newsy? I don't think, so. no, I don't think so. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a great, be a great family chain. Look at the family tree to see if it happens. New Zealand Lawn was born in 1887. Yeah. It's just kind of mind blowing. But the first old? year in the league, the first year of the league, 1917, 18. Oh, buddy. He was, he was like one of the first legit goal scorers. If you look at the history of the NHL. Oh yeah. He, he had uh he was also the player coach. Yeah. Yeah. He Rich had 20, 23 goals in 14 games for the old Montreal Canadians. And that's when you couldn't have forward passing Frank. It's different game. <laughs> Think about that. They right lost now. in the they lost in the Stanley Cup final to the Toronto yeah. Arenas that year. Oh. Feels like that's the last year the Leafs won the cup. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's wrong. Uh, no, you're not. That's what makes it funny. Uh, Frank, have yourself uh, a good weekend, and uh, we will talk to you uh, on Monday. A very special guest coming up. Uh, we're going to preview the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, sorry, the Stanley Cup final, uh, which because we know it's Colorado and Tampa might have punched their ticket or we'll be talking about a game seven. And so here we should quickly, if Tampa Bay wins tomorrow, Frank, then game one will be on Wednesday. If they lose and it goes to seven games then it's starting on the 18th. So let's hope the, the Tampa wins just so we get the start of the cup sooner. I agree. Shoot that into my veins. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.